Our first lesson this evening is from James, the fifth chapter. Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it, until it receives the early and the late rains. You also be patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. As an example of suffering and patience, brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Behold, we consider those blessed who remain steadfast. You have heard of the steadfastness of Job, and you have seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The Holy Gospel according to St. John, the 11th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. When John heard in prison about the deeds of Christ, he sent word by his disciples and said to them, Are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? Jesus answered them, Go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, And the deaf hear, and the dead are raised up. And the poor have the good news preached to them. Blessed is the one who is not offended by me. As they went away, Jesus began to speak to the crowds concerning John. What did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind? What did you then go out to see? A man dressed in soft clothing? Behold, those who wear soft clothing are in king's houses. What then did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. This is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way before you. Truly, I say to you, among those born of women, there has arisen no one greater than John the Baptist, and yet the one who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has suffered violence, and the violent take it by force. For all the prophets and the law prophesied until John, and if you are willing to accept it, he is Elijah who is to come. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. In the name of our Lord Jesus, amen. I'd like to reread a few words from the gospel lesson. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has suffered violence, and the violent take it by force. For all the prophets and the law prophesied until John, and if you are willing to accept it, he is Elijah who is to come. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Tonight I'm going to give you God's answer to what some people call the problem of evil. This is a problem that is recognized uh, in many ways by atheists, probably the, definitely the, one of the top three arguments that they use uh, to defend their belief that God does not exist. Now, I know that I'm probably not speaking to too many atheists, But I also know that these arguments are effective, especially for our younger people. These arguments batter their faith, crack it, weaken it, 
And when your faith is like that, you don't want to come and worship. You don't really want to show your faith to the world around you. Um, you are in your, your confidence is being undermined. And so I hope that the lessons we hear tonight will be helpful, not only for us and for our faith, but also for us and in our duty to teach others and to encourage others in their faith, especially those who may be shaken by some uh, aspects of this thing called the problem of evil. The problem of evil, evil is simply this. It was recognized centuries and centuries ago, even before the time of Christ, by one of the Greek philosophers. If God is all-powerful and if uh, he's good, then why is there still evil in the world? If he's all-powerful and if he's good, why doesn't he just get rid of it right now? Well, the Bible gives us a beautiful answer for that, and one of the best ways to answer it is to refer to what often happens in wartime called the rules of engagement. Our soldiers in Afghanistan are extremely frustrated by these rules. Uh, the rules are three, basically. The uh, enemy has to be visible, the enemy has to be carrying a weapon, and the enemy has to be posing a threat before you can fire upon the enemy. The Taliban utterly laugh about these rules of engagement, and they pull all kinds of tricks, like as soon as they run out of ammunition, throw their weapon on the ground. Rules of engagement, can't touch me. Or they have women carry weapons for them, and while the women are carrying the weapons, they're actually taunting the soldiers. These are frustrating rules of engagement, but I believe in them. They are absolutely necessary because we do not want to kill innocent civilians. Often those who bear the brunt of those rules of engagement are the soldiers themselves. John was experiencing God's rules of engagement, as we heard in our gospel lesson today. I titled this sermon, Hold Your Fire. God is holding his fire of divine judgment on the last day, and he's doing so for very good reasons, because he doesn't want anyone to be unnecessarily destroyed and unnecessarily separated from him eternally. John was in prison because of his proclamation of law and gospel. He had upset King Herod, wicked King Herod. Uh, Herod had blatantly divorced uh, one wife, married his brother's wife, and was flaunting the commandments of God, even as a leader of God's people, the people of Israel. And because John spoke out against that, he was in prison. And as we know from the rest of the gospel message, he was beheaded, and again, in their lasciviousness and in their wickedness, they actually took the head of John the Baptist and put it on a platter because he was, he was put to death during a party, a sexually immoral party that Herod was conducting. And all of this is a tremendous contrast between righteousness on the one hand. As Jesus said, there's no man ever been born of a woman greater than John the Baptist. And yet, on the other side of the spectrum, there you have 
the wickedness of Herod and all of his friends at that particular party. So John is in prison and he sends his disciples. He's frustrated by this reality that he preached the divine judgment of God. He preached the gospel. Look to the Lamb of God, Jesus, who takes away the sin of the world. And I think the mistake that he was making was, okay, I've preached it, Lord, now let's have it all done with. Let's bring the judgment upon this world. Let's get it over with. But God has his own divine rules of engagement, and he's holding his fire. And this is what Jesus basically told the disciples of John. Go tell John that the stages of salvation are already happening. The miracles are happening. The blind see, the lame walk, the dead are raised up. The poor have the gospel preached to them. These are all the signs that the prophets said we should look for in the Messiah and in the promise of God's salvation, which is being fulfilled at this time and is still is to this day. It's interesting for us to note that all of the miracles of Jesus were benefiting the victims of sin. But he gave no miracle to punish the perpetrators of sin. It doesn't mean he won't do that. That's exactly what he will do on the last day. We just sang in that beautiful hymn how he's not coming like a little babe on the last day, but rather coming like a king to save those who would be saved and to destroy those who resist that salvation. Imagine we ourselves were caught in some sort of hostage situation. We would not want the police to come in with guns blazing and not knowing who the uh, evil ones are and the ones that they're trying to save. And so it is with God. He is in the process of separating the sheep from the goats. Jesus said in John chapter 12, verse 47, If anyone hears my words and does not believe them, I do not judge him. For I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. Now, this is where we have to be really careful with the, the word judge. In the Greek New Testament, in the Greek language, the word judge can have two meanings depending on the context. And we use the same meanings ourselves. On the one hand, the word judge can mean to call out sin in order that it might lead to repentance and forgiveness. But another way to use the word judge is to refer to the ultimate condemnation, the divine judgment of God on the last day. And so what Jesus judged all the time, that is, when we use the word in the sense of calling out sin. But in this context, he's talking about the last day, and he's saying the last day is not here yet. I do not condemn. I'm not coming for judgment day right now. I am coming to right now to save the world. And John was caught up in that in-between. He was caught up in between the Jesus coming to save the world and Jesus coming again on the last day to finally bring an end to all the evils of this world. And we also are caught up in that same time of divine rules of engagement of God holding his fire. I don't know if you're struggling with this sense of unfairness in life 
We all understand that there are consequences to our sinful behavior. We confess regularly that uh, God punishes both temporally and eternally. We know that we are forgiven of our sins, but we also know that sometimes there are consequences that we have to endure. Ezra said, you, our God, have punished us less than our iniquities deserve. When we think about our sins, we know that we probably deserve more punishment. And yet there are times when we see, or at least it seems to us, as though the consequences are far worse than the actual sins that were committed, especially when we compare ourselves to others. What about the child born with a birth defect? What about a family killed by a drunk driver? The entire family killed and the drunk driver walks away unharmed. What about those contrasts? And what about the contrast of the persecution of John that I just described? John in prison, this righteous man before God, faithful man, and Herod and all of his friends and all their wicked behaviors. Why that contrast? And that's where we see this problem of evil. And that's where we are tempted. Even John himself was tempted to wonder whether Jesus was the coming one whether he really was the Messiah or not. And so Jesus' response to John is the same for us. It is the call for patience. It is the call for Advent. Advent is the season of waiting. As we wait for Christmas, we are also reminded that we are waiting for Jesus to come again on the last day. We're reminded as we look back to his ministry that he did do these miracles. He did heal. He did raise the dead. And it is all during this time of the rules of engagement, of God holding His divine fire. He is still preaching the gospel to the poor. And people are still being brought into His kingdom. As we wait in this season of Christmas, even though we wait in a world that is so full of sorrow, because of these promises, we wait also with joy. That's why we have the candle of joy this Sunday. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I will say rejoice. Those words come from the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul was a man also caught in the divine rules of engagement. He was afflicted, the Bible tells us, by the devil himself. Satan a mess, sending a messenger to him, as Paul called it, a thorn in his flesh, some trouble, some malady, some difficulty in his life. And he prayed for the Lord to remove that, but it was never removed. It remained with him to the day he died. And yet Paul still could say the words from Philippians, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Because he understood the rules of engagement that God has, He understood that God was only holding his fire for a time, but now was the time of ransom and redemption. Now was the time of the proclamation of the gospel. We bear with those same difficulties ourselves at times, and yet we believe this good news, and we do the good works, and we proclaim the gospel for all around us, because that time of God holding his fire will one day come to an end. 
And we pray that everyone would be brought into that kingdom that God is calling by His grace. In Jesus' name, amen. Please rise.